Welcome to What the CF, a cystic fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid. In this week's episode, I chat to three mums, all of whom received a CF diagnosis during the pandemic year, as we did with our little one. Sophie, Kayla and Jess share their diagnosis stories, and I'd like to say a heartfelt thanks to them. It's not easy talking about such personal details about your child's health and your family, so I really, really want to stress how important it was for me to um, thank them personally um, of putting themselves out there and sharing their story. We really hope that by telling these stories, we will help others feel less alone when they first find out that their child has CF. We know firsthand how lonely that experience can be and the grieving process that happens. So I really hope that if you are listening to this and you've recently had a diagnosis or someone, a friend or family member has had a diagnosis, that this helps you understand the process that a family, a mother goes through at the time. Uh, We will have a future episode with dads as well. So we'll be hearing from some dads and their experiences with diagnosis. Anyway, enough from me. Let's go over to episode three. Welcome to What the CF, a Cystic Fibrosis podcast. I'm Ingrid, and today it's all about mums, and we're having a bit of a mums chat on Zoom, as one does nowadays. Um, I'm here with Sophie, Kayla, and Jess, who are all mums of CFers that have been diagnosed during this pandemic year. So we're in quite a unique position in the experience that we've gone through, um, because there's the heightened anxiety around having this respiratory disease (laughs) pandemic going on just to add insult to injury and so I'll start with Sophie could you tell me a bit about what your diagnosis journey was like? Um, I I will never forget it Uh, it was my husband's first day back at work after my his parental leave had finished um poppy was only was less than two weeks old um my midwife came around in the afternoon and i had the tv on and i was feeling really proud of myself because it had a shower um and she sort of said oh i've got the heel prick results back and i went okay and she said sit down and i knew then um that that she wasn't going to tell me something good um and she said that it had come back positive for, for cystic fibrosis, which really knocked me for six because we have nothing, none of it's ever been in, our, in either side of our families. And so, yeah, we were we were incredibly shocked. And then I had to ring my husband at work and say, could you please come home? This has happened. Um, and then a couple of days later, we went to Starship and we did the, the sweat test. Um, they took a stool sample and they did blood test on all of us. Um, and I just remember feeling really, really helpless and really sort of kind of desperate, to be honest. Like I didn't really know what to do. Um, and then we were in an unusual situation because we found out a day later that actually um, Poppy's sweat test had come back within the normal band and her her stool sample had come back within the within normal. And so we sort of let ourselves take a breath then and go, okay, most likely she's a carrier. We're kind of in the clear. Um, and then we got a phone call a fortnight later saying, actually, your blood works come back. You are both carriers. And Poppy has both both genes. So, yeah, that was, it kind of felt like a double punch, really, because we'd gone through this initial phase where we were actually like, oh, gosh, we're, we're kind of in the clear. We're safe. And then two weeks later, yeah. Not not the same age, but we did have a similar roller coaster when it's like, does he have it? Does he not have it? And um, did, did you have a rare gene or...? 
Yes, my husband does, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So my husband does too. They get to be the special ones. Yeah, so that was similar sort of where we had an up and down of the sweat test was borderline and he didn't come up in the heel prick test. So we found out in a different way because of him actually getting sick and getting a cough that lasted weeks and weeks. But yes, I understand that um, sort of roller coaster. And Kayla, how, how was your diagnosis? How did that come about? Well, Adeline's diagnosis came about basically from my 20-week scan. Um, her bowels were bright and um, we had all sorts of different sort of tests going on. They told us it could be Down syndrome. They told us it could be CMV, cystic fibrosis, or nothing. So we held on to the fact that it was nothing because we looked up everything and we said, oh, cystic fibrosis, that's like a 3% chance when you've got bright bowels. So um, they said to us, maybe just get tested just in case. So my husband and I got tested. Um, I didn't come back to the carrier, but Alex did. He came back with the DF508 gene. So we then thought, okay, well, it's not cystic fibrosis. Um, but then the genetic counsellor said, um, you probably could be carrying a rare gene that they don't test for. So we'll just wait till she's born and then we'll send her blood work off. So we waited until she was born and um, she got taken to NICU because she, her bowels, the whole pregnancy was still glowing. Um, and then the next day, the surgeon had a look at her on the scans and he said, oh, I'm really sorry she's going to have to go off for emergency surgery. So, sorry. <laughs> they okay. took her away. And um, she got... You're doing really well, Kayla. I know, you set me off. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> sorry. But, yeah, so she had surgery and um, they pulled her back and everything was fine. And he said, oh, yeah, she just had a small block, a small block, and it's probably just um, uh, bowel atresia. So we thought, okay, that's um, fine. And he said she'll have an eight-and-a-half-week NICU stay. But then the next day the doctor said no, they've found meconium ileus, which is 90% sure she's got cystic fibrosis. Yeah. So that's just heartbreaking. Um, and then, yeah, they sent her blood work down to Christchurch and... They found a gene they've never found before. Yeah, so she was diagnosed at four days old. <laughs> I mean, that's so. I mean, one thing I've said before was um, because we had what's considered a late diagnosis. I feel um, really lucky to have had that six months where I didn't have this going on, <laughs> because you've got so yeah. much going on with a small baby that I can't actually get my head into what it's like to get that diagnosis at that small age, which which you guys all did, which is the normal process. I mean, some people get diagnosed later than Orson, you know, four years old, eight years old. Um, but I got that just enjoying my baby phase, which is what everyone should yes. have. And that's what you lose when you have that early, yeah. early one. Yeah, because we lost everything. Like she was, you know... She was on a ventilator. She had wires, galore, tubes, everything. And, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so she um, um, she didn't get out of NICU until she was eight and a half weeks old. Oh, wow. And then a week later, she 
got pneumonia and was readmitted for three weeks. <laughs> so then after that, we had to go up to Starship and um, she got a bronchoscopy. Um, and yeah, everything everything in that actually came back fine. So she's she's on the mend now, but um, yeah, she's just... It's amazing she's had what they go through. Yeah. <laughs> and what they can deal with. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she's just, she bounced back so quick and it's like, you know, they put her under general, like, like they did Addie and it's, yeah, it's just really hard and you, yeah. But as a first time mum finding this out, like, yeah, I feel. Are you all really first time mums? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, Orson was my second. So, um, it, you know, even more unexpected because first pregnancy, you worry about absolutely everything. I still worried about everything and I didn't have a fun pregnancy. Like I felt terrible all the way through. But um, I worried about absolutely everything. But this never crossed my mind, ever. Yeah. I didn't even think. And same thing as I think Sophie said, like, there's no history in the family. Um, nobody knows anything about it. So, um, you know, I uh, we didn't have any any warning. And as I now know, the majority of people don't have any idea or any warning. No. Yeah, I mean, we, we were told a lot of the time it's normal. It just disappears. But unfortunately for us, it didn't. Um, and, yeah, because even some babies that are born with Maconi and Ilias managed to, they can pass it as well. But hers had just calcified so much in her bowel, it twisted. Mm. And, yeah, he needed emergency surgery. So now... Along with lungs, we've got digestive issues that probably will come up in the future. Yeah. And the surgeon even said that future bowel blocks could be a, you know, something that happens. There's yeah, so many <laughs> there's so many different layers of of finding out what this condition means for different people because it's so yeah. different for everyone. And um, Jess, could you um, take us through how you got your diagnosis? Sure. Um, so my diagnosis story is pretty much identical to Sophie's, even down to the fact that we had the same midwife. Um, so Quinn had the heel prick test um, and then I had um, a phone call from the midwife the same day that my husband went back to work and she was like, look, we've, um, he's come back positive for, the, for cystic fibrosis on the screening but that doesn't mean he's got it. Like it's only a 25% chance that he's got it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we went back, we went into Starship two days later, did the sweat test, but um, he didn't produce enough sweat twice to do it. So we couldn't do that one. Uh, so we did the fecal test um, and that came back fine. So the CF nurse at Starship was like, look, everything looks fine. He's probably not got it. So we we let, let ourselves be like, oh, you know, should be okay just a carrier then of course you get the phone call 10 days later when his genes came back and got called back into starship and they were like look yeah he's got he's got cf but he's got um quite a mild form like poppy does where he's pancreas sufficient so he's he's on the more mild end of cf so their doctor was kind of like you know we just don't know what's going to happen he could be fine or he could have issues which is just like a waiting game so Jess, Jess, Sophie and myself, our kids are all pancreatic sufficient then. Um, yeah. And Kayla 
your little one isn't. So if people are listening to this and don't know anything about CF, there's quite a broad range of symptoms that affect people. And some children are born um, pancreatic sufficient, which means their digestion is generally not affected by CF and others are not and they have to take enzymes with every meal so that they can actually digest and get the nutrients into their body. If people are born pancreatic sufficient, I don't think it necessarily means that they will be for life. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, which is another part of this disease that's so fun because <laughs> uh, you have to you get tested every year to check that um, they still are. So, so can I move on to ask how and when you told people and who you told? So when we got her diagnosis, we just text our families because um, they had an idea that it could be coming and they just, you know, wrote back going, oh, no, you know, my mum was upset and they're like, it's going to be okay, we'll look after her, everything's going to be fine. And then, of course, the whole, these drugs in the pipeline, Trikafta, you know, all of that type of thing. And I was like, yeah, that's great, but we don't have that drug in New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, it was just... I guess it was just, I just told people gradually and I said, you know, she's she's been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Um, and you get the whole, I'm really sorry, like, you know, what about head tilts and everything. I know, the, the, sympathy, is, <laughs> the sympathy is awful. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Sophie, how did you tell people? We had an interesting one. Um, my dad arrived to visit us not long after my midwife came to tell us about the heel prick. Um and yeah, so he found out that way um, and I was quite upset. So he offered to ring my mum. My parents aren't together. So he offered to tell her. And then I, we had like, I had, I have a lovely antenatal group um, and we're a big group and we, they wanted to organise catch-ups and I just sent a message and said, look, this is what we're going through at the moment. Um, we're not really sure where we stand um, and they were lovely about it. And I kind of really did the same thing with friends. Like I just sent out a message. It was much like you said about not wanting to really talk about it at the time. I almost just wanted to sweep it under the carpet and pretend it wasn't there. And having to talk to people in person about it meant it was real. Whereas if I had just sent a text, it was easier not to actually really deal with it. And we are, were we at alert levels at that point? Because Orson, Orson got his diagnosis um, the week before the very first lockdown, the very first, first level four, which was an absolute blessing for us because it literally yeah. meant we could just hide. <laughs> yeah. um, so I kind of suffered with the grief more at the end of the lockdown when we had to kind of go back to normal life. And I got quite a lot of anxiety about going out or doing things or having to talk to people because I told people basically via social media, which meant that then everyone knew and I semi-regretted it because then everyone could feel sorry for me and everyone would want to talk about it and everyone had questions and everyone wanted to catch up after we'd all been locked away for so long. Um, so did anyone have, uh, you know, those added sort of security of lockdown or um, were you were we sort of living out free at that point? I can't looking at timelines. Yeah, we were, we were, I think we went back into a level three when um, Poppy like was August, about, yeah, so she would have been about two and a, two months. Oh, right. So, Jess, what? how did you go about telling people? Um, well, Quinn was actually born during level four lockdown, the one, the second one that we had in August. 
So that was actually kind of nice, the added security you're talking about, because nobody could actually come see him anyway. So we had a little bit of a reprieve. Um, We ended up just telling our close family, and I'm very much like, I don't sugarcoat it. I'm like, (laughs) this is what's going on. Here's all the information. Here's Quinn's genes. Here's what's probably going to happen to him, blah, blah, blah. I put it all out there and I just let people deduct what they will. They're grown-ups. They can figure it out. Um, But we were living with my parents at the time, which was really nice because we had that added support. So we told them straight away. Um, I told my brothers and my husband told his siblings just because, you know, you need to get all the testing done for siblings and all that kind of stuff. I haven't actually put it out on social media yet. I've done a few like CF things, but I haven't actually said, hey, this is what's going on. This is what he's got, blah, 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 because I feel like it's his life and I don't really want to put a, I don't know. It's not like I feel some people with the sympathy, there's a whole lot of stigma attached as well. And I don't want to put that burden on him when he's so little. I figure when he's grown up, he can tell whoever he wants and deal with it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I actually, um, there was some comments in the Facebook group, which was a while ago, which is after I'd already done my public thing, which was, um, you know, someone saying over time, because I think I went through a bit of a thing after I'd announced it, that then I just, I just got really annoyed with anyone messaging me or anyone telling me anything because they were all trying to do these good news stories and positive, like, oh, look, this boy didn't die. Isn't that great? And you're like, Uh, no, it's not great. (laughs) Uh, they still have CF, so thanks for reminding me every five seconds. Um, so uh, somebody actually said it took them quite a few years raising their child to realise they didn't actually have to tell everyone. But initially yeah. I kind of felt compelled to, like, I have to tell everyone so they know, so it's over. Um, when yeah. actually they're saying as they grow up, you realise that you can pick and choose who you tell and you don't have to go through that process of having to explain it to every single person because you don't know what their health's going to be like or what they're going through and who it's on a need to know basis. Um, But yeah, so we, we're, it might surprise you to know that um, me and Ian are actually really quite private people, (laughs) but we're just doing a podcast about our whole family. And, um, but um, this is like, we don't do this. We don't do personal. We don't, um do uh talk about stuff on social media anything you know when parents have passed away or any other stuff has happened in our lives it's not like we'd be like do those big emotional posts on facebook we're not those people we um but we do a lot of media work um but i think part of doing this podcast is because i've always held my cards really close to my chest that this time i'm not because i feel like it's not always been to my advantage that i haven't talked openly about other stuff that's gone on mm-hmm. so this time i'm going the opposite and <laughs> talking about it yeah. um and i think part of it is finding i'm finding it really therapeutic like the first episode we did with me and ian talking about it ian was a little bit reluctant to sit down and talk about it because he was like oh i don't know if i remember all the details and all this other stuff um but actually, when we did that podcast, that was the first time we'd ever actually sat down and done that. We'd never sat down and actually gone over everything that had happened over the last year. Um, so it was actually a very good process to go through. And I still find it a good process to go through. But I think having a strong support network of people to talk to is is important. Um, so one thing, so the thing about me getting angry with people and I've not spoken to anyone or told anyone off or said, like, 
oh, you should say this or not say this, um, because you kind of have to smile and be appreciative of, of people's thoughts and so on. But I am at a stage now where I kind of want to call people out on it um, because of that toxic positivity, which is kind of the buzzword that's going around right now. But it's quite relevant to this kind of thing. And it's relevant for anyone with a chronic illness because most of the time it's invisible and they do look well. Like a couple mm-hmm. of you saw Orson earlier and obviously you have CFs and most of the time they look perfectly well. And I spoke to someone on the phone yesterday who said I said oh, I'm not really up for group get togethers with people I haven't seen for a long time at the moment because everyone wants to ask me about yeah. Orson and I just I'm mentally I just can't I don't I just don't want to be the encyclopedia and I also end up either being upset or I don't want to snap at people um and she's like oh yeah but he's fine though was what she said mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said yeah. what and what what do you mean and she went he's fine though isn't he and I said well he's actually just finished another course of antibiotics but yes and that kind of like stumped me and then since that since then well two days ago it was I've kind of written a reply to her in my head about oh I don't know if you realize but when people say stuff like that it it actually makes your blood boil a bit because just saying someone's fine dismisses the seriousness of what we're dealing with and what we're grieving because we literally he might be fine today. Maybe he's not fine tomorrow. Uh, there's something going on in his body that's continuously going to mean that his body has a harder time in life than we would have hoped. Um, but one thing that I try and take that I helped me cope at the beginning was I'm a control freak person, 100% uh, control freak person. Um, but the understanding that none of us are guaranteed anything in life. And there's, you know, we're, we're talking about Google. One of the first things you see when you Google is that um, life expectancy age, which is just Mm. horrible to see. Um, And the hospital kind of said, don't, first of all, don't look at Google. And secondly, ignore any life expectancy stuff, because all of that data is looking at people that were born 40 years ago. All of the treatments have changed since then. And also that you're remembering you're hitting right in the middle of life expectancy so obviously it's such a spectrum that actually it's not even worth looking at I mean my mum passed away at 53 and she didn't have CF so it's kind of like there is no guarantee um but you get that sympathy from people so if I go back to start with Sophie I'll have you experience that kind of feeling of anger or kind of eye, eye roll at the stuff people say to you yeah real real sense of frustration and like and, and annoyance, like you don't understand unless you have CF or you have a child with CF, you don't understand. Um, and I've had, we had a, we've been in hospital recently um, and Poppy's been on antibiotics and we've had x-rays, we've had the bronchioscope, uh, you know, and before, just as that was about to happen, a family member said to me, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Look at her. She looks great. Well, <laughs> What not to say? What not to yeah, say? Yeah, and it was like, yes, on the outside she does look fine, and and as we were talking about before, like I feel like our little CFs are some of the most resilient little people. Um, you know, she kept smiling, she laughed through it all, she was so good. Um, when actually there was a lot going on in her little body, um, that should that would make me as an adult feel really miserable. And so when people then say to you as a parent, like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Look at her. She looks great. It's 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 quite infuriating. Yeah, I think it just diminishes the reality of what 
we're dealing with and what the children are dealing with. Um, yeah. And I also feel like, you know, the, the doctors and the CF team can tell me he's doing well. Uh, other people can't. <laughs> yeah. And um, as you say, only parents with CFs can understand. Um, I think pa- par- any parent that's got a child with a chronic illness get- gets this, or any parent who's gone through a child with a very serious illness gets this. But that's another thing that I get is people not understanding that this is a lifelong thing and it's incurable. People don't seem to know what chronic illness means um, and that it's um, something that will get worse over time. I think people seem to think, like when some friend said, oh, he's okay though, isn't he? Um, it, it's almost like, oh, it's fine. And not quite. Get, it's not like he has a diagnosis for something, we fix it, it's over. It's a continuous mm-hmm treatment Kayla what about you how have you got on with people's responses as as well-meaning as they are I don't want to like act like I don't want to hear anyone say anything it's more about uh, trying to highlight how people approach talking to parents with this kind of situation going on yeah or yeah it's just the same things you know they say oh she looks she looks so healthy she's fine, keep positive. So, you know, I'd say, oh, she's got another clinic coming up. I'm really nervous. And they would say, oh, you know, just keep positive. She, she's going to be fine. She's doing well. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, they don't understand that, like, you know, they, they could be growing things in their lungs, like, you know, pseudomonas, you know, that's the one that no one wants their child to have. Um, and they just don't understand you know, what that actually is. And you can explain it to them, but they still don't get it because they won't you know, they won't look up, look it up and see what it can do to your child. Um, but, yeah, well, same sort of thing. Um, she's, you know, she's doing well. She's constantly getting checked out. Um, the one that really sort of does grind my gears is when people say, you know, life isn't guaranteed for anyone. Um, anything could happen to anyone's child. And it's like, yeah, but you get to live blissfully unaware, whereas my child's got something going on constantly that, you know, it is, it's just going to get worse over time. Yeah. Any, any whataboutery is bad. Um, Because, and again, often I think people are nervous or they don't know what to say. So they end up going, oh, uh, sometimes you get a friend of a friend, uh, their child has diabetes and, and they have to do this and they always say this, or they're trying to kind of, they're trying to fix it. And that one thing I, I would quite like to say to all my friends and family is you can't fix it. Don't try and fix it. But you can just listen or have empathy. But it's mm. not anyone's job to fix it or make you necessarily, you know, it's not going to go away. Um, so you, you don't need to try. And I think but I think we're so conditioned now to like that whole think positive. And when you talked about going to clinic, a clinic's really triggering, I think, for most people because it's where you heard the news <laughs> um, yeah. and then you have those memories of the first time and how overwhelming it is when you first go in there and you have all those people that you meet in all the separate rooms and all the CFs can't mix and I got all paranoid about that um, and the weigh-ins and the cough suction like talking about them being resilient that cough suction thing I can't but like Orson hasn't cried the last two times and I'm just mm. like that's quite a big like I don't think I'd like that very much and he's I think he's no. more interested he gets the chocolate now so I think he's like give me the chocolate <laughs> so it's like <laughs> even just that process people might not know that we have these regular clinics that could be weekly two weekly monthly bi-monthly depending on how well they're doing um, and every time that you go in there that is a, a triggering thing especially with the pandemic the last place you want to go is in a hospital when we had you know things like that going so they did do um 
virtual clinics where where they could. Jess, so how did people respond when you told them if, you know, outside your family or within your family? Well, everybody's been pretty supportive. I guess the major thing for us is um, a lot of people don't seem to realise how pedantic we have to be about cleanliness and about germs. And it's finding that balance between building up their immune system and making sure they don't get staph or pseudomonas or anything yuck. That's been quite hard, trying to help people understand that balance. A lot of people have said to me, oh, but he looks really well. So he's well, right? He's well at the moment. And it's like, well, I mean, he's he's well but he's still got this disease I have was in the supermarket um and I have a, a sign on his pram and it was just saying please keep away from me I can't have any germs blah 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 and the checkout operator this lovely young girl she said oh what's what's wrong with your baby and I said oh he's just he's got a lung condition um he just can't get near any germs or anything like that and she said oh but he's going to get better right and I was kind of like oh no, he's actually going to get worse. And she, she was like, looked a bit shocked. And she was like, oh, and I was like, yeah, he's got cystic fibrosis. And I feel like I'm I'm quite um, outspoken, whereas I'll, I'll just say, say it as it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for anyone because I think people do need to learn. And it is so good how we've had all this publicity at the moment. Everything's been in the media. People are learning more about it. And they, they are like, oh, it's actually this invisible disease. So many more other people could have it that we don't even know about. So I'm, I'm quite thankful for that. Um, one that always stuck with me wasn't something that actually happened to me. This actually happened to Kayla. I'm not sure if you remember telling us this, Kayla, um, when one of the nurses said to you, oh, you're so strong. I could never do what you do. Yeah. I could, I could never do this. Oh, and it's wow. like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't really have a choice. Like, oh, you can't yeah. get the baby yeah. back. Hello. I'm not just going to adopt my child out because she's got cystic yeah. fibrosis. It's like, what? Yeah. I, I have I to be in this hospital room. Like yeah. <laughs> I get people saying, I'm super mom or Wonder Woman, which again, yeah. I know it's a compliment, they're being nice. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, what else are you, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You yeah. can't not do it. it. I've still got to work. You've still got to work and pay your bills. You've still got to get up in the morning. I've still got to look after the other kid. Obviously, yeah. my husband's here as well. I'm not on my own. Um, so I find that quite funny as well because it, it's kind of like, well, aren't, aren't we all just people getting on with our lives in whatever yeah. Yeah. life throws at you? You just have to carry on. So it's, you know, again, I know things come from a good place. But, um, yeah, it's funny the things that kind of wind you up. And I did have a phase that I really, like, everything just pissed me off. And I went yeah. I went to see a friend post-lockdown and I kind of didn't want to, but I felt that social pressure to do it. And I had both kids with me. So by the time I got there, I was just annoyed anyway because I'd had a hassle getting them both ready. Um, and I could hardly string a sentence together because everything she said just made me want to hit her, <laughs> basically, because it was yeah. lots of stuff about, oh, so what is the prognosis <laughs> and, and how do they treat it and when will he get better? And and one thing yeah. that frustrated me is when we did do the big social media mm. thing, we did say he's got cystic fibrosis. It affects lungs and other organs, predominantly lungs and digestion. Um, he's not on any treatment right now. He has physio. Uh, it's genetic. Um, his links to CFNZ... Um, basically Google it and nobody did. <laughs> so you're kind of like, so then everyone just met and just asked us loads of questions. And one of the things I had was I felt a bit of judgment from some people around, oh, how didn't you know? As in, 
like it was irresponsible in some way. Um, and mm. it's like, well, we wouldn't, that's the, trying to, to explain that you wouldn't know. There's no reason to know. Uh, the genetics episode that I've got coming up soon, um, I'm hoping that people will be able to share that with families because it's a 20 minute conversation with a genetic counsellor. And that's what she does all day, every day. So she can very clearly say, this is how CF happens. This is how it gets passed down. And this is why you tell siblings and why they would care about their future children. And I think that's hopefully going to be really a useful episode for the community that when you've got a diagnosis, the last thing you need is to have to be a scientific expert on genetics and CF and everything that it means because you're learning. Like I'm learning now. Like I said, I only just realized I could even meet you guys in person. I feel really stupid not even <laughs> knowing that I could <laughs> do that. Um, and Jess, you said something about the cleanliness thing. That's another thing that I feel uncomfortable with because I started taking awesome to a... Um, a play group and then when you get quite picky and like oh don't touch that or don't go near that or the water trough or whatever it is yeah. then you get you know mm. you get the eye roll like oh she's one of those parents or she's all paranoid mm. and I kind of like I think Jess needs to coach me in just telling people well actually yeah, see, so <laughs> and just telling them when I don't I'm kind of I just don't say anything but I kind of agree that actually just being really open about it so it is a, a an education for anyone and if they feel awkward they feel awkward but it's not our problem if they feel awkward. No, it's not your job to make them feel comfortable. It's your job to stand up for Austin. So yeah. you're doing a great job of that. I carry, my, I carry my hand sanitizer around and I squirt everyone's hands before they touch them. Like we, when people come to the house, we're good at, can you, can you wash your hands or sanitize and take your shoes off? And we do all that kind of stuff. That's not a problem. But when we're out and about and people are like, ah, I, I often mm. forget. And then once they're holding him, then I'm like, yeah, <laughs> give me my baby back. But I do that too. But that's when you sort of think that's where other people should think, and not just for CF babies, for for any babies, people should think. Yeah. Actually, I haven't cleaned my hands, or because we're all got yeah. immunity that we'll be carrying stuff around. So that's kind of a, a cultural thing where we should all think more about. And you know, sometimes people like in the supermarket, people just come and touch your baby. And so the pandemic has been a good thing for that. People know about hand washing, hand sanitizing and distancing. Um, so I'm pleased that people have kind of had a bit of an education, which is another reason why in an odd way, it's been a good year to have a C effort because it doesn't feel odd yeah. to, to be doing that all the time. And at least everyone, when we carry on, our lives will carry on like this. Um, everyone now has an idea of what it's like. Do you guys yeah. wash the shopping still? I did during the pandemic, like during the height of the lockdown. I washed everything. Yeah, we did, but not anymore. But um, one of us unpacks the shopping and then like washes our hands and like all the benches down. And so like she doesn't hopefully come into contact with any of it. But that's, yeah. I mean, during the pandemic, we get it dropped off and then we had like this chain where... I'd like wipe everything with a wipe and then pass it. And then I had a, a sink of some water that I could just wipe things over with. Um, and fruit and veg you can wash anyway. But even that, and then you like pile it all to dry, <laughs> wipe that down, and then you wipe the surface down. And I could see how you could get quite obsessive about yeah. it. So I did get, um, I think it was from, you know, the same brand that make the hand sanitizer, the 24 hours hand sanitizer. I can't remember what it's called. Um, yeah. They do the surface spray. Have you guys got that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I, oh, I, I, I do that now and it, that lasts, I think, 28 days or 30 days. Is there anything anyone particularly would like to say to anyone out there who's just getting the diagnosis? If we go through, like, Sophie, is there anything you'd want to say to them? 
If you are getting a diagnosis like we did when your baby is really young, um, I know it's really hard, but try, try really hard to enjoy your baby and not think I have a baby with CF. I really, in hindsight, I really wish I had just enjoyed those cuddles and those first smiles and all of those things instead of um, really being on high alert about everything. You need to do that, yes, but I let it consume me and I really wish I hadn't. Yeah, it's difficult not to though, but I, yeah. I completely <laughs> think that's a great bit of advice. And that's the same bit of advice that Sue um, Lovelock, the CF field worker said, she said, you've just got to love them because they're just gorgeous and you've got to enjoy your baby. So Jess? I guess if you're just newly getting diagnosed, then just remember that it, this is sounds like such a cliche now because everybody says it, but it actually is the best time to be born mm. with CF with all the gene therapies and the gene modulators that are coming out, they are probably going to live a normal life. Just hold on to that. That's what we all hold on to. And we talk about it all the time because they're they're just these babies, just normal little babies and they're probably going to be fine. And Kayla? Yeah, I agree with Jess. Um, And I know it's hard, but just think about all the advancements that are coming out. Um, Cystic fibrosis, we were told, is the most researched genetic condition um, but also do not Google. Um, one th- one <laughs> but, other thing yeah. I forgot, we're running out of time, but just mm-hmm. very quickly, um, we do a thing called What the CF Moment and it's basically a moment from your life with, with CF and something that surprised you or that you didn't know about it that you've recently found out. Does anyone have a What the CF Moment they'd like to add? Mine would probably be when they bought enzymes in for her and they were like, oh, yeah, she's got to have these with apple puree before each bottle I was like what (laughs) what are these things um and yeah so at four days old she's basically been on solids like technically because she has a spoonful of apple puree before Mm. each bottle and that's very weird to (laughs) feed a four-day-old baby apple puree definitely and I don't think that's a side of CF people know about actually what about you no nobody understands the enzymes I don't think they someone asked me if they'll be able to stop like it's medication that can sort of just stop and I said no yeah that's her pancreas <laughs> so Jess do you have a what the cf moment I I have a uh, uh what the cf what not the cf moment I suppose I guess as a cf parent you're always wondering when your child's going to need antibiotics when will he when will he need that first um round and mine had to have his last week for something completely non-CF related and it's just a bit ironic that of course he had to have it not for that it was for a skin infection oh so yeah I mean he's just they get skin infections yeah. not everything yeah. is CF you know yeah true yeah and Sophie mine would be um at the beginning of this I really thought I was just very negative about it all and I was really, I, I probably made me quite depressed. And as a result, I've actually met some of the loveliest people and some of the nicest mums. And I'm so grateful that I, like it really, I'm so grateful I happened to talk to her. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. that's definitely um, a support that we all need. So I'm so glad that you guys connected with me as well because um, I have felt like quite outside things. So mm. getting um, introduced to your group has been amazing even just like the Facebook messaging we've been doing so I look forward to meeting you in real life yeah (laughs) 
I've got to thank you so much for sharing everything because I know it's really difficult and I know it kind of pulls you back into times that you don't necessarily want to think about on a on a sunny Sunday level two day. Um, but I really appreciate your time. Welcome. Thank yes. you, Ingrid. Thank you so much. And I promise that next time we meet up, I won't uh, make you talk and tell me lots of stuff. <laughs> we'll just have <laughs> we'll just have normal conversation. Um, and I can't wait. Actually, I really look forward to actually meeting you guys in person. But honestly, I think this is going to be such a valuable podcast. Like everybody, I'm amazed like how much people have shared and and talked. That I just think people are going to value mm. this because one reason again that I did this podcast was feeling that lonely feeling and feeling not yeah. like you couldn't connect with people I think I would have loved to have heard this just to hear like a year down the line or six months down the line how everything is you know life carries on and you just adapt like yeah. even doing the physio at the beginning yeah. I was like how am I ever going to fit this into my life it's impossible to do physio twice a day and it takes forever and now it's just like I don't even notice I'm doing it most of the time it just becomes part yeah. of your life as people tell you but at the beginning you think this will never work, but it does. Works, right? <laughs> I'll yes. be in touch it's soon. Lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time. See you. See you. Bye. 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 There you go. Thanks so much for listening to episode three. Thanks again to Sophie, Kayla and Jess. We'll have a future episode featuring dads of CFers as well as episode four, which is focused on genetics. So please like, share, subscribe and review this podcast if you like what you hear. Follow us on Instagram at whatthecfpod, on Facebook forward slash whatthecfpod and go to whatthecf.com if you want to find out more information or how you can support us. Email wtcf at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch. That's it from me and I look forward to speaking to you again in a couple of weeks.